you gore fiends and horror hounds. This is Brett from Dimension Z. Joined as I always am by Greg of the Dead. How you doing, man? Doing really good. How's it going? Awesome, because it's Halloween, it's Throbtober, and we are finally covering Psycho. I mean, what other movie are we going to wrap Throbtober up with? Come on. It's This is one that I always have to watch this during October. Sometimes this is a watch on Halloween movie. Uh, so sometimes it's like almost the night before going into it. Um, even though this movie takes place in December, it feels like an October movie. Oh, it's just a classic horror movie, like possibly the most classic horror movie to exist. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. if you want to boil it down to what is a horror movie, you kind of get psycho. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's been like parodied so much, like to death. It's amazing that you can still watch this movie and enjoy it. Yeah, like everyone knows the shower scene. To, to be honest, the shower scene might be more famous than Psycho itself. Yeah. Like, everyone knows that moment. Like, there's a Reese's commercial with it. Oh, it's Spuds McKenzie did a shower scene commercial. You know, like... Exactly. But yeah, um, Psycho is by Alfred Hitchcock. Honestly, our first Hitchcock we've ever hit, too. Oh, true. I have to be truthful right now. I've only ever seen two Alfred Hitchcock movies. For shame, but I haven't seen many either, don't worry. A Psycho, mostly, because I love this movie. And I've seen The Birds, like, once or twice. The Birds is fun. But, like, I want to see, like, Vertigo and, like, Rear Window and a couple of his others that are, like, extremely famous. And, like, even, like, Fright Night kind of parodied or, like, took, oh, like, ripped off <laughs> Rear Window, basically. Yeah. Um, that's one that's done a lot, too, but... Started off with Psycho, not bad. Um, interesting where like he went off of like two huge budget movies, and then he saw all like the fifty schlock that people were putting out there and making all this money, and he's like, "Well, I want to make a schlocky movie too," and it gave him an excuse to make it black and white so he could get around the censors with the blood. Yeah, chocolate syrup. Um, <laughs> also based on a book. But the book is based on this little guy from Wisconsin you may be familiar with. Saint Eddie Gein. The, how, the, him doing his little tinkerings with his little hobbies has made so many movies and so much like great media that I love. Like, just a couple skin corpses. That's all it took. Look at all we got. We got my favorite horror movie. We got like Psycho's Very Close. Silence of the Lambs is amazing. Um, even Deranged, the horrible movie made about him, is good. Yeah, like, it's weird if you look at the ripple effect in pop culture that, technically not a serial killer, right? What, he killed two people? Maybe three, if you want to oh, yeah. say he brother. his brother. But yeah, but mainly, like, a corpse defiler, I guess, like Gravedigger. It's crazy the pop culture ripple effect that this man has had. And it's just this, like, it's just quiet little old man from Plainfield, Wisconsin. Like, oh, hello there. Uh, I, I do enjoy soup. <laughs> Out of heads. <laughs> uh, I was just at Spirit Halloween today. And they have, like, Ed Gein is still in pop culture. They have, like, it looks like bowls. And the top of it's cut off. And you could drink soup out of it. Just like he did. 
Exactly. If, if Ed Gein was around today, he would have been so saved. Because you go over there, there's heads on hooks, there's just severed arms, there's skeletons. Like, he'd be Spirit Halloween's number one customer. Like, oh, here comes old Eddie Gein again. He's got to get some new friends. He must have broken the other ones. Yeah, if Ed Gein was born a few decades later, he wouldn't have had to do all the things he did. No, he would just watch really fucked up porn online. Yeah, and buy his home decor from, like, Halloween stores. Yeah. Alright, enough about Gein, though. Psycho from 1960, directed by Alfred Hitchcock. Do you remember the first time you saw this? Because I'm not gonna lie, I don't. I, I've known Psycho forever. I can't pinpoint out this is the first time I saw Psycho or anything. I don't think I can really either. I'm guessing I saw bits and pieces in elementary school. Maybe saw all of it in middle school, but it might have even been in high school that I finally sat down and like watched all of it. Yeah, mine probably wasn't until later high school, maybe even early college, like the time that I really started digging into horror. Like I always yeah. liked horror movies, but maybe not even honestly more than a genre. I liked all movies in general. Like, but when I really started like taking a foothold and wanted to learn about horror is probably when I actually sat down and watched Psycho. Right. Yeah, I would almost probably put this around the time the like when I first watched Dracula. Yeah. But happy Throbtober, Brett. Let's get into our last movie of the season. Let's record this fucker. I can't believe it's the last movie of Throbtober review. I hope you guys enjoyed it. We put a lot of work into Throbtober. Brett, we got our title card and opening credits and score. Why did Psycho rip off Reanimator? I know, this is ridiculous. How do they have a time machine and went up there, there's going to be this amazing movie? I know, stop with the reviews. I know, people. It's a joke. <laughs> yeah, all of us, our ratings is tank. But <laughs> Phoenix, Arizona, Friday, December 11th at 2.43 p.m. Marion, played by Janet Lee, uh, mother of Jamie Lee Curtis, one of the biggest horror icons of all time, Yes. It's so interesting because it's, they just like zoom in. There's a whole building, like a whole apartment building. And they just zoom in on this one window of just like, it's interesting of like, they could have zoomed in on any of the windows and anything could have happened. But it's like, oh, we just got this one, which is like the best window out of all of them. Because this one, this guy's just sleeping. This guy's masturbating. Well, that's the window our story takes place in, Brett. Yeah, but what, what, how about the fat guy watching TV beside him? It wasn't a random chosen window. The way this works is the director's like, zoom here. This is where the actors are. No, that's why I would watch Return of the Jedi over and over again, being like, fucking Rebels won again, motherfuckers. <laughs> Next time, it'll be different. <laughs> but Marion's kissing Sam on the bed, and they have like a secret relationship going on here. And she wants it to be legit, and he is, like, embarrassed about his current divorce state paying alimony and everything. He's like, oh, yeah, oh, I'm, I'm such a catch and everything. She's out of your league anyway, Sam. Make the deal. Yeah, well, he's like, I have to pay off my dead father's debts. I have debts. I have to pay alimony. And then she's like, I don't care about any of that, Sam Loomis. Um, I'll come and live in the back of your hardware store with you. And he's like, Puh. they, like, almost get married and break up, like, three times right here. Yeah, but he's got to get to work. Wait, no, she does. But he's got to get what? 
uh, she's like because like she wants uh he's they're laying on the bed and he's like no don't leave and she's like i'm on my lunch break like i only have an hour if that i don't know how long she gets but um because she didn't even eat her sandwich which i was always like you're gonna be hungry for the rest of the day i guess not everyone's like me where you have to eat well she has a sit-down job i'm sure she could eat at work yeah uh, but she's like rushing off. This is when they like make up and break up like five times. And then he has to catch a flight. If you're out of so much money, why are you taking flights all over the place? Dude, it was the 60s. Flights cost like a nickel. I don't know. Oh, really? Oh, you could also still smoke on the plane. Exactly. You could have a drink with the pilot right before you took off. Here, yeah, you can steer the plane. <laughs> Marion gets to work and she's telling her co-worker how she has a headache and everything and she just offers her tranquilizers yeah i love like the co-workers like my husband was so mad when he heard that i took tranquilizer pills it's like holy shit the 60s um i I also enjoy where she like sneaks in late she's like is the boss back from his lunch break yet and she's like no it's like oh thank god like (laughs) yeah so speaking of the boss her boss and they work at a bank and the boss and this rootness tootness rich man come in who just bought a house for forty thousand dollars cash oh the 60s this in today's money is over four hundred thousand dollars okay so that makes because i was even thinking like wow forty thousand dollars that's a lot of money that was like wait a minute this is 1960s how much is that today i was like holy shit but yeah, he just so, comes in with his big belt buckle and his hat. Howdy, ma'am! Is the she? He's like completely drunk. The boss, you can tell, is just trying to like usher him into his office. Yeah, and he's hitting on Mary, and he's flashing the money like in her face and everything, being a big shot and all that. And he goes, "Well, let's go in." You said you keep that bottle of liquor in your desk, right? To the boss, he's like, "Yeah, look, come inside, come inside." I love the Texas just, man. It's like, oh, I guess I wasn't supposed to say that now, was I? <laughs> and like we said, he pays cash. And the boss is like, that's way too much money. I don't like even having it in here. I want you to go take it to the bank right away. And she leaves early. She says she's feeling sick. And she's like, I'll drop it off on the way. Okay, sounds good. Cuts to her packing her bags with the money. Cut as soon as you make the turn, like the bank is straight home is left as soon as you have that money and you look down and you turn left it's just immediately like oh i fucked up this was a bad idea immediately too late to go back now yeah i can't just turn around now but yeah so she packs all of her bags she's keeping this money she's taking off she's in her car driving she's at a stoplight by a crosswalk and her boss crosses the street in front of her and makes eye contact with her this is the worst bit of luck in this. Like, I feel if she didn't see the boss here, it could have been a foul play situation or yeah. something like this that it got blamed on. She had to see him there. At that point, you go drop it off at the bank then. You've already yeah. you're already messed up too much at the beginning. Right. Or just be like, do it the next day, or just I was out getting medicine. This movie yeah. is so nerve-wracking with that stuff. Cause have you ever been like you tell someone like you like called off school or work or something and like you go out and about and you see your boss or like teacher or like you're like oh i can't come and help you do that like i i got plans out of town and like you just happen to look up and there they are and they see you and it's some 
feeling of like, oh, motherfucker. Like, we just had to cross paths perfectly. I couldn't have left home 10 minutes later, and none of this would have happened. Exactly. Oh, by the way, we did get a Hitchcock cameo earlier, which he would cameo in all his movies, and he purposely wanted to put his cameo early in this one so people didn't spend the early part of the movie searching for him. That makes sense. I did see him standing outside the door, like, because there's a window on the door, and he kind of does that, like, half turn, and then back. Yeah. But she's driving, and the music score's going. It's really intense. Like, this is a very captivating movie. Like, even boring stuff like driving. Yeah, this is, like, because I were uh, watching it this time, I was like, okay, when do we get to the Bates Motel? And it's 26 minutes in. So, but for this whole beginning part, it's so captivating and like, it's so like nerve wracking and like you kind of feel the tension and stuff. You pull up to the Bates motel. You're like, Oh fuck. That's what this movie's about. I completely forgot. Yeah. This beginning part is still so good. And she sleeps in her car on the side of the road in the morning. A cop shows up, finds her asleep and just knocks on the window. He's checking on her. Not honestly being that like confrontational yet. Just like, I'm just making sure. Okay. Am I free to go? Like, she's being real shifty with him and everything. Gives the cop her license and everything. And then she's like, I'm, I'm free to go, right? I guess so. And she takes off. But at one point this, she tries to leave before she's free to go. He, like, stops her car from moving. This, everything that's bad that could happen is happening to her. Of, like, she saw her boss on the way out of town. He even did, like, that stop and look back kind of thing of, like, yes, that's her. Now she's having to deal with a cop. Which you could have your car is completely inspected. You got registration. It just got inspected yesterday. Everything's perfect. You see a cop, you're like, fuck. She has a, today's equivalent of $400,000 on her and she's running. Yeah, and it makes sense of like why she's so scared. But yeah, if she could play this cool, she could have gotten way farther. Yeah. I'll just stick with the story of... I was just so tired and I pulled over. I'm so sorry. It won't happen to you. You're right. I should have gone to a motel. It's the truth. That's what she did. Exactly. I like what she leaves and the cops still following behind her for a super long time. He's looking in the rear view. We've all had this moment. And finally he takes an exit. And you start making like extra turns being like, is he following me? (laughs) She pulls into a car dealership and the cop sees her and like, parks across the street and just watching her the whole time and she gets a newspaper is walking around and she's first customer of the day the dealer comes out and she's like i basically i want this car right away she's right like, oh okay with a trade-in she's like oh all, all right are you sure like, yes you want to take it for a spin nope i just like to buy it now well i insist you take it for a ride she goes is there anything wrong with knowing what i want and buying it she's like, well first time the customer's ever pressured the salesman yeah, once again, you're just acting really weird, laying crumbs of, like, why does this weird lady come passing through town? Also, once again, like, she saw the cop get off the exit and go away. He's out of my life forever. Oh, thank God. She yeah. goes to the dealership. It's, like, halfway through the process and looks over and sees the cop just staring at her. She's got to be like, fuck, now i got to go buy another car. And she's trading hers in, and... It comes out to be, with her trade-in, $700. I did look up how much it was. I think it was, like, four grand in today's money or something like that. Okay. okay. I could be butchering that number 100%, because I looked it up, like, four days ago. But I did look it up. 
But yeah, she takes off and almost forgets her luggage. The mechanic comes bringing it out from her old car. But she has the money in her purse already. Yeah, she went to the bathroom to count the money out. It's just like this wad of money. It's like, oh my god, I would just love to hold that at some point. If I was given $400,000, I may ro- all of a sudden disappear as well. And Brent from Dimension Z is all of a sudden the co-host. He sounds a lot like me. <laughs> but yeah, I love it so like, because at this point, the cop is pulled into the car dealership and is kind of talking to the salesman a little bit. And she's like freaking out, trying to go like rushing away. Now she looks even more guilty, like you said. She's leaving her luggage and all of her stuff. Yeah. And she drives away, and at first she's panicked. You hear the audio of the cop talking to the salesman, like, something weird about her. I don't get it. And then you have the audio of everyone at work on Monday, like, has Marion come? No. Have you tried calling her? Yes. Tried calling her sister, too. Uh, strange. And then, like, the other guy yelling at the her boss, like, I'll find her myself, and if any money's going on, make up for it in her flesh. But the thing is, she starts it with a panic look, but by the end of this, she's, like, smiling. Like, yeah. she's all went on it at this point. It's almost like at first, it's reminds, because I have, like, I'll make up scenarios in my head all the time of, like, fake things and, like, make myself worried about them. Great job, brain. Um, yes. And I've had this happen before, and I kind of understand this inner monologue of, like, okay, if I do this, how are these other people going to react? I have no way of knowing, but I'm just making it up of, like, okay, then they're going to say this, and then this happens. But like you said, at first she's like worried about it. Then it's almost like, look what I got got away with. Like I'm driving away. I'm still going. The cop didn't get me. Like it's almost like maybe a little adrenaline rush right there. Yeah. It's raining real bad. So this time she is going to stop at a motel and she pulls into the Bates Motel. Dude, how awesome because it's downpouring. And like, so we're just kind of seeing the headlights and it hits a sign. And it's not like this grand, like, the Bates Motel, and it's, like, huge, like, cinemascope type thing. No, it's just, like, oh, there it is. You see, like, the windshield wipers, like, you see the sign finally and can read it. But it just feels so real kind of thing. It's not, like, Oppenheimer of just, like, it's just, like, oh, yeah, you pull into the motel and you go get a room. At this point, too, we have no idea that this is special. We're still following her on her (laughs) crime caper. Why is this crime movie in Throbtober, Greg? I don't know. She's our main character. I'm disappointed. I don't even know who picked this. I know we decided on it a long time ago. Uh, This was both of us being like, we got to do that at some point, and we just have to hold off on it. We can't do it year one. Yeah. But we are introduced to the man of the hour, Norman Bates. Anthony Perkins. Well, it has to, has to be one of my favorite actors. I don't think I've really seen any of his other stuff except for his Norman Bates stuff because I love all four Psycho movies. Um, He's just so amazing as that character. It's just that's him. You know, like no one else yeah. can make that happen. Of like the Bates Motel TV show is pretty good. But it's not Anthony Perkins. Doesn't that show have the I am a surgeon dude? Isn't he Norman Bates? It's I know it's some kid. Okay. She's checking in and everything, and she lies about her hometown. She lies about her name. All of this stuff. Signs in on the book. And 
he's really awkward but charming at the same time. You know what I mean, Norman? Anthony yeah. Perkins plays him in this very special way that I can't quite put my finger on. Even, like, his performance. It's, like, boyish, like, young charm, but, like, sinister at the same time. I don't know. It's a very unique character that I haven't actually seen replicated. You feel bad for him. Because you feel like he doesn't have a good life whatsoever, especially when it goes on with mom and they and she finds out more about like how he does have dreams. But no, I actually I don't. I'm fine. Um, But yeah, there's something a little dark behind his eyes for sure. A little like he stares at the lady a little too long. Yeah, he's a bit of a gawker. But he lets her in a room and everything. They're chit chatting. He invites her to dinner and. She accepts. Okay, great. You know, she's not planning to go out to the diner or anything. And I love she's... so much. Sorry. I love it so much when like they go into the room and he opens up the window. It's like, oh, it's kind of uh, stuffy in here. It's like, okay, well, there's your bed. And here's some stationery with Bates Motel printed on it if you want to make your friends jealous. And uh, here's the um, there. As he opens the bathroom door and she goes, the bathroom. And he's like, oh, shucks. <laughs> you go poo in there. <laughs> <laughs> like he is so like kicking at his feet kind of like and there's the um that room yes like no one uses this yeah but she accepts the offer she hides her money in the newspaper for the night and before she goes though she hears norman and his mother at the house that's right next to the hotel arguing about her like you're not bringing no floozies to that dinner and all this kind of stuff She's going to tempt you with the sin between her legs. That kind of like ramblings of an old woman. Um, I also yes. real quick want to mention her. I think having the money in the envelope was better than like an old newspaper. Because imagine like, oh, it's the morning. She goes, let's say she does go to the diner. She leaves the newspaper there. Norman comes in to clean up all oh, yesterday's newspaper. Throw it away. I don't think except for this, she's leaving that newspaper out of her sight. Oh. It's, like, clutched. She's, like, holding yeah. it like the log lady in Twin Peaks. <laughs> yes. She invites him in to eat, but he says it'll be nicer in the office. They go to the office, but he goes, ah, let's go to the parlor instead. He just doesn't know where to eat. And then they're in there, he's talking about taxidermy and all this kind of stuff. Oh, a boy's best friend is his mother. Yes. Um, Which is the meme that I send my mom every day, every Mother's Day, every single year since like facebook's been around it's so funny like you'll see these like sons they post these like paragraphs about like what their mother means to them and like all oh, that you've helped me through and stuff and i've posted fucking psycho memes to her <laughs> <laughs> and they're talking she says how she wants a private island and norman starts talking about his mother he says she's ill and i hate what she's become i hate the illness and that it's been making her mean all this kind of stuff marion suggests an institution and he gets pretty upset about this like, well maybe you should put her in some place and now his delivery it's just like some place yes that's what they always say they say stick her in some place have you ever been in one of those places the screaming the laughing this whole scene right here is it reminds me of like the best scene from jaws when they're all telling the indianapolis story and they sing and it's just like they have extremely different takes on what the best scenes in Jaws are because that's my fall asleep moment in Jaws. But okay, 
Oh, but the acting, well, you don't like acting. You only like when things go acting. I was just talking about how great, like, Anthony Perkins' performance is, but okay. We we do no explosion in Psycho. We're alien in Big Muscle Men. I was saying that. I was like, Jaws has so many good scenes, but okay, we've already done Jaws. Um, but it's like that scene of like the big dialogue scene that I'm always a big fan of. This one, it's like you could almost just watch this scene like over and over and over again. It's so good. Yes. And we get the we all go a little mad sometimes. We all go a little mad sometimes. Oh, very good. There's so many great little one liners all throughout this little part here. I also love what he's talking about, like taxidermy and why he doesn't taxidermy like dogs or cats or like and like mammal kind of things because they always look weird and kind of creepy and where birds are passive talking to norman must turn her around somehow because at the end of the night she's like well i better be going to bed i'm going to be going back to phoenix tomorrow to try to set some things right well right here she like she says a lie about her name and where she was coming from earlier now she's like i'm going back to phoenix also my name's crane Good night. Because he does check the book and sees that her name was something else and everything. He's like, what the hell? Yeah. I think um, this woman's a little crazy. Uh, very important. He put her in room number one right beside the office. Yes. And this is the first part of the movie. All throughout this, the whole beginning part. Marion is our lead person. It's their main, our main focus, main character. Now, all of a sudden, for the first time, she leaves the office. We stay with Norman. Yes. I was just imagine like watching this for the first time. Like, oh, what now? What's going on? Like, who is this guy? Yeah. And then he starts spying on her through the people. So we know something's up with her. So at this point, who is the main character of Psycho? I'm Norman. Because he's he's not though. Do you get what I mean? Like, I I guess he is, but at the end of the yeah. day, he's not. There's not really one to be honest. Like, he definitely is for the series. I guess it could be still um, Marion, because all throughout the movie, she's still the main focus. They just keep happening across him. He's more the force, like that the movie's going against. I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. He's spying on her through the people as she's totaling her money and writing down like how much she's took out, how much she's going to owe, and this kind of stuff. And then she rips it all up and flushes it down the toilet. A very significant toilet flush, Brett. Oh, the first in history. Yes. I, I mean, it's credited in American cinema. The first toilet shown flushing in a movie. It's so weird. Like, little things like that. Like, that was kept track of. Yes. And were people in the audience is like, oh, that thing that everyone has in their house? I shit My before word. I left the theater. Oh, tut, tut. I will be seeing none of this. Nobody poops. Only sinners poop. <laughs> but she gets it. She gets undressed and takes a shower. You know, turns the water on you. That camera shot of right into the shower head, lathering herself up, all this stuff. And then the door opens and an unseen woman with a shadows over rips open the shower curtain. You get the most classic scream that you've ever heard in your life. Oh yeah. As she is stabbed with that.
and almost going with the stabs. No, like, over-the-top effects. No, like, piercing skin effects or anything like that. But she falls down, and you see the blood running down the drain. And when I say you mean the blood, everyone knows it's chocolate syrup. Right. And it's very genius, a way, like, a great way to get around the ratings of, like, yeah, you can't tell what it is. Exactly. But that almost now lends to she shit herself <laughs> and it's just it's just poop running down the drain i mean either one works to be honest <laughs> but she has that great death fall like with her face on the floor and everything shower curtain rips you know the whole shebang she does a great job too of like she does the pretending to be dead and just staring forward at one point you see her eye like quiver a little bit but you could even put that up to just a spasm kind of thing yeah but she doesn't do like her um eyelids don't move or anything her eyes don't like shift around like i always love whenever someone like falls over and is supposed to be dead i just stare at their eyes yes then norman comes back into the room after hearing this commotion mother mother blood blood (laughs) finds her dead and he starts cleaning up mother's mess look people you know psycho and you know we don't do spoiler free how big of a twist do you think it was for people who didn't know like because i knew already by the time i saw psycho so like i didn't get that big spoiler bit of it how wild do you think it was of a reveal when you find out it's norman it was so wild that they had to have a, a man come in at the very end with a nice suit to tell all the american like the americans what's going on what do you mean this man put on a dress that can't happen. <laughs> Dude, that man's talking with his hands so much. It's wild. I can't wait till we get there. Yeah. but And also, that's our main character, who we thought this entire movie was about, is now dead, and there's a lot of movie left. Yeah. Great. I'd like you to, I would love to see this for the first... Like, you know the men in black, like, clink, like, wipe yeah. your memory thing. Do that the to neuralizer. me. Yeah, so I just watch Psycho again. You know, Liz comes in. She says, hi, honey. Who are you? I'm watching this thing called a movie. <laughs> um but it is very like metic it's i like that it's not like this once again this big bombastic like cleanup scene it's just he gets the mop and he kind of you know swishes it around everything he's just like picking up her things like he keeps like oh here's her earrings he keeps like oh here's her shoes um it's just very like oh shit just get this done it seems also like he's done this before for sure like he has his process probably and, yeah, he gets the, puts her body in the trunk, all of her belongings in the trunk, including the newspaper full of money. Yes, because uh, he has no idea. Uh, that money doesn't matter. Only mother matters. Remember that. Um, did you, I also love where, like, he kind of peeks out the door real quick, and then he, like, goes out onto the front of the motel, and a car passes, and he's like, fuck. And it was, like, once again, one of those things, like, if I had just waited 30 seconds. Yeah. But... Drives a car to the, I guess there's a lake right here. Pushes it in neutral, lets it sink down. And I love that moment of, is it going to sink? Where it goes and then stops and the roof's still sticking out. He's staring at it. And I'm not doing it justice, but it goes on for so long. And then finally it sinks down. Well, I love he starts like looking back and forth. Like I'm guessing to the road and back. Like, oh fuck, what am I going to do if this thing doesn't sink all the way? Then finally, I'm guessing it's like an air bubble or something. Then it finally goes down. And he has this like satisfied like, yes, all done. I would have loved the scene of him swimming out and jumping on the roof to get it down. Go down! 
<laughs> Norman, you can't do anything right. We get to Sam at the hardware store that he works at, and Lila, Marion's sister, shows up, seeing if he knows anything, because Marion's been missing for a while. And the private investigator, Detective Arbogast, also shows up, and he's questioning both of them, like, hmm. And it's all like a, you know the Spider-Man meme where everyone's pointing at each other? Yeah. It's like that with all of them, like, someone knows something. But he seems to trust them, and he goes around and questions everyone in the city. You have a quick montage of him just asking random people. I love, like, there because there's a little tiny character thing in the uh, hardware store where there's, like, the old woman asking about being such a, like, pest and such a nuisance. Like, asking about the different bug sprays. Like, well, this one says it'll kill every bug in the world, but they don't say if it's painless. I think even bug and man deserve a painless death. Hmm. Let me read more about it. And the, like, uh, clerk at behind the counter is just like, motherfucker. I'm not even supposed to be here today. I was going to make a clerk's reference if you didn't, don't worry. Um, I also love when Arbogast comes in and he walks into frame and just um, fucking right to the camera. Just, the, you get big head man. <laughs> <laughs> he thinks she's still in town. That's why I was questioning everybody. And he arrives at the Bates Motel. Motel. So someone somehow pointed him in this direction or he just kept driving. I don't know. And well, he he mentions when he's like talking to Norman here that he's like been to a shit ton of motels and hotels and stuff. So I think he's just hitting every single one. And finally, like usually that part of the movie is just like the kill time and like they never actually come up with anything. He actually locked out and found the actual place she was. Yeah. And Norman says nobody's been there in weeks because ever since they moved the highway, no one comes through here anymore. And I love how big of a thing that them moving this highway is for this whole franchise where they brought it's a big thing in the uh, in the Bates Motel TV series of like they're trying to fight against the new highway and stuff. I watched the first few episodes of that and then I fell off. Is it worth finishing? See, the thing is, the Norman and mother stuff is the great stuff now. And then you have the stupid side story with like the brother doing like selling drugs and being part of a cartel and stuff. And like, there's other little stupid subplots. No one cares about like the last two seasons. It like focuses in on like the actual psycho stuff, you know, and it's pretty awesome. Okay. Maybe I'll jump in there. Yeah. I honestly, cause it's worth it, but like you could just fast forward through all of the brother stuff. Yeah. It, it doesn't matter. Every once in a while he walks in and Norma and Norman are like talking in the kitchen and he's like, you two are too close. And he like leaves again. <laughs> but Arbogast looks at Norman's books and sees Marie Samuels. And he's like, ah, see, uh, was it uh, her middle name and her boyfriend's name? Yeah. That's probably her right now. And, and he has now like a Norman hand, remembers. He has like a handwriting match. And he's like, Norman's getting all fidgety and stuff. It's like, oh, fuck. Like, he's, why can't you just leave? It's just let me and mother be alone. Like. To jump back to the Ed Gein inspiration of it all for a second. Yes. I want to. Yeah. No, I'm oh, yeah. getting you to talk about this. <laughs> I'm glad that they don't make him like super crafty and good at hiding it and everything. Because just like Ed Gein, it was just all luck that he was never discovered. It's not like he was good at hiding stuff. Just like right. Norman's not either. He's just like, 
uh, uh, like almost gives himself up because he's so bad at like keeping a cohesive story. So I kind of yeah. like that little comparison there. If we're going to look at the source material. Yeah, he's not good at it, but he's no. still like trying kind of thing. Was it the um thing of like, oh, where did uh Mary Hogan go? It's like, oh, she's not missing. She's up at my house. It's like, oh, Ed. Yeah, it's exactly. such a card. I, I'm glad like they kind of nail that. I know it's not even really based on just inspired, but that like kind of simple, like not a great liar or a criminal mastermind, just a psychopath. I love the stuttering too of like he's so nervous. He's like, okay, n- 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 now I'm now I'm remembering. Um, that's right. Um, it was r- it was raining. Yeah, Arbogast has to know he has the guy right here. Oh, because he's just Arbogast keeps being like, no, no, take your time. Because Norman's being like, you know, um, when it it, it starts uh, to become clear in your mind and you make a, a mental picture, and Arbogast's like, yes, yes, just take your time. You're fine. Just remember it. But he's walking around with them while he's doing the sheets, and he notices that he skips cabin one. And he also notices Mother's silhouette in the window, and he says, well, maybe I can speak to her. Maybe she knows something. And Norman is like, absolutely not. You yeah. will not be speaking. He's like, no, she's too sick. She can't speak to you, and very insistent on this. And But then, like, Norman keeps, like, dropping little hints and stuff that he doesn't mean to, because he mentions that, like, Marion had talked to Mother. Yeah, which she hadn't. I don't know no, why he said well, this. Oh, no, they didn't. They never even really talked during the shower scene. You're right. No. Uh, I love where uh, Arbogast is like, I guess I'll need to uh, get a search warrant if I want to search all these cabins. And Norma's like, well, golly gee, if you want to come with me and you could help me change the sheets. And Arbogast is like, no, that's okay. <laughs> he call, uh, Arbogast calls Lila from a payphone, like saying I, I, she was here. I think there's more to it. He won't let me talk to the mother, but she definitely knows something. And then Arbogast goes back to the motel. He's like, Bates, Bates, he's not answering. So he starts snooping around the cabin and everything. Not really finding anything yet. But then he goes into the house, goes up the stairs, and then mother once again runs out and stabs Arbogast in the forehead. The scores kick it in. He falls down the stairs. I, I kind of love this, like, he looks like he's on, like, a rail car riding down the stairs with the camera right on him. Oh, I wish this was video. Because I was like, I know that only Greg could see it. But I cannot wait to do my Arbogast falling down the stairs thing. Like, oh! um, Where they even play with it and, like, they bring it back in Psycho 3, I think. They have, like, someone fall down the stairs all fucked up like that. Um, I also, I, the camera shot is so good. Okay, okay, I'll talk about the camera shot first. The camera shot is so good where it's like up above and it's it's him coming up the stairs and all of a sudden yeah. mom comes like rounding the corner and it's just sliced to the face and then he does the fall down the stairs and then she chases him down and stabs him. That old lady can make it down those stairs pretty quick. Yes. This is not an old lady that has one of those chair like things for the stairs like in was it Gremlins when it gets shot out. <laughs> yeah. Um and we've not really mentioned the house. No. That it's so awesome. It's cool, like, because you got like a normal looking motel. Then there's this like gothic, like looks like Dracula would live there, mansion sitting on top of the hill, like overlooking everything with these awesome stairs that go up. How iconic is that house? It's so cool. And have you seen the other side of it? 
it's just like lot house, right? It's, it's, it's just like house. it's like half a frame. It's what it's yeah. always been. Because I saw that, I was like, oh my god, they didn't even build a whole house. <laughs> but yeah, he's dead. Sam and Lila are waiting for his return, and they're getting antsy. Lila wants to go to the motel, and Sam's like, you never find it. And he goes instead. Well, because uh, Arbogast was like, I'll be back in an hour, probably less. And at this point, it's like, it's been three hours. Yeah. Sam gets to the, ho- the motel and is yelling for Arbogast. Norman hears but doesn't do anything. Sam leaves, goes back to Lila, and he says, no one was there except the old lady. I just saw her in the window. Oh. And now they have no choice. Because the whole time, like, even the big fancy Texas man with a big hat was like, I don't want to involve the authorities. I just want my money back. So that's why yeah. there's the private investigator. That's why people are trying to track her down. No cops have been involved. At this point, they're like, we have to. There's nothing else we can do. Like, everyone keeps going missing at this motel. And they go to the sheriff and wake him up in the middle of the night. Go wake up the sheriff! And uh, he's, like, putting on his robe and coming downstairs and telling him the whole story. And it's definitely, like, small-town sheriffs. Like, yep, sounds like you got yourself run away. Yeah, and they mentioned the motel was- Oh, Norman! He knows who he is and everything already. And they mentioned something about, like, oh, yeah, you know, the I saw the mother in the window, and Arbogast, the private investigator, said that uh, Norman was talking about mother and stuff, and they're like, oh, no, that's impossible. She died ten years ago. And I love the sheriff's wife's like, I helped her pick out her dress, periwinkle blue. Yeah, and they say it was a murder-suicide. The, she got the man she was seeing cheating, so killed him, then killed herself, and like, well, they said his mother. They're like, well, if his mother's there, then who's in that coffin? I'll take a look. Well, I love it's like the wife's like, well, why don't we just call up Norman and like see get to the bottom of this? Sheriff's like, at this hour, most decent folks don't bother people at this hour. As he like looks over to Sam and Lila, just like you two. Um, and I love like they're like, okay, I guess I'll call you. Yep. Yeah. Norman, you have to, no, I'm doing all right. Yep, family's good. Yep, so you're killing people. No, no killing people. Mom's still dead. Okay, we're good. No, we're fine. I covered it. (laughs) (laughs) But then we cut to Norman arguing with Mother, and he wants her to hide in the fruit cellar, because people keep coming. They're like, there'll be more looking for this detective now. And she's like, I'm not going down. They're like, just for a day, Mother. She refuses. goes, I'll take you there, and he. You see him carrying her down to the basement, like, but you don't see her face or anything. But you can see him carrying her body down and everything. You put me in that fruit cellar one other time, boy. You're not going to do it again. Put me down. I can walk on my own. Put me down. So later, Sam and Lila go to the motel, pretending to be a married couple. Oh, real quick, what happens first is they meet the sheriff outside a church, and you know when like. Let's say you're standing in front of a doorway of a business or something like that. It's people exiting. What do people a lot of times nowadays do? They just stand there and talk and get in your fucking way. And but you know what the nice uh, small town sheriff does? He goes, oh, let's get out of the way of the people. He has the decency to say this in the movie. No, there's people walking around, let's say, Spirit Halloween, and they're just all of a sudden stop. And you almost run into them. And then they're like, what's your problem? You! (laughs) 
But yeah, they're going there, and they're going to pretend to be a married couple who are just stopping on their way. And but remember, Norman's already seen Sam, I think, right? Well, he Sam doesn't. He heard him. Okay, so he hasn't actually seen him because that's something I, thought, I was wondering about. I thought the same thing because Sam went out there like the day before yelling uh, like for Norman, but we see Norman standing by like the swamp, and he does that like real menacing like villain like turn <laughs> yeah. with the shadow on his face. Um, I don't think he's seen him though. Okay. They check in and it's very awkward and they insist on signing in and insist on a receipt. It's like, that's yeah, a work thing. They make me document everything. And they get to their room and Lila comes up with the theory that Norman robbed Marion for the money so they could get a new motel closer to the highway. Honestly, he probably would have if he knew there was money. Yeah. Probably. Um, I love to when like they're uh, signing in and stuff in the office, you just see both of them. And like every time Norman looks down or away, you see him like kind of peering behind him and like checking everything out, like looking into the parlor. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they're in their room and they're like, I'll go distract him and talk to Bates. You go ahead and check around. And she goes in and she starts with room one. Well, no, they're together at this point. Yes. And it's missing a shower curtain, and they find a piece of the money-totaling note that she wrote and flushed the rest down the toilet, which I guess he didn't catch when he was mopping. And this is where Sam goes and distracts him while Lila goes to the house. But Sam walks into the... Well, I love they both, like, quietly, like, kind of slip out of room one. And then Lila goes one way, and uh, Sam goes, like, towards the office in the house. And, like, Bates is, like, right there in the doorway. Yes. Sam's like, I know how to distract Bates. Have you heard of this thing called a Dutch rudder? No? Let's go in the back office and learn. <laughs> he might as well walk in there and be like, you killed her, didn't you? Because it get, turns into that pretty quick. Oh, it's so much of like, he's interrogating him for sure. He's like, I've been the one doing all the talking. Uh, you think someone alone here would uh, have a lot more to say. You hate this motel, right? Uh, what if you had $40,000 to leave? But Lila in the house goes up to Mother's room, and she's like, there's no Mother here, but she finds an imprint on the bed. And yeah. all I can think of, Brett, how bad does that have to smell? Yeah. Well, because she's touching the imprint. Yeah, like, I would wash that hand a million times once I realized. Yeah. It's also like, even if it wasn't a corpse that made it, someone's been laying there so many, like, years that it's imprinted that. It's like Homer Simpson's spot on his couch of it's like the yes. perfect ass groove is what it looks like. And like I said, Sam's getting aggressive with Norman and a scuffle starts and Norman knocks him out with like a vase or something to the back of the head. Yeah. Uh, and then um, this is great because, well, I love where Lila like goes into Norman's room. There's like the little tiny bed. There's like stuffed rabbit there, like a couple records kind of thing. It looks like a little boy's room. And then she goes walking downstairs and it's the great shot of Norman running up the stairs. You see it through like the front window. Yeah. And he, she and like she runs hides when Norman comes in. Yeah. She goes like down by the basement, down by the fruit cellar and uh, kind of hides and she's about to leave, but then sees the door and goes downstairs. Yes. And she finds the Norma Bates corpse and such a cool shot. Spins around, has the hair still, but just, like, this rotty skeletal face and everything. And she lets yeah. out a huge scream. I'm talking, like, my speaker-breaking scream. 
Oh yes. Um, it's so great. And it's like the giant hollow eyes. She doesn't, she's not just a skeleton. She's like mummified kind of thing. Yeah. Then our hero bursts into the room, Norman Bates dressed as mother. And this is the first time we really see him. And it should be funny. It is. But it's also scary at the same time when you see this mad look on his face holding a knife dressed up like his mother. He bursts in. He's like, ah! And he's about to go and stab her. And Sam comes in. And it's almost like for 1960 audience, they had to like really show like, no, this is Norman. Because they like kind of like, and make the wig fall off. And they rip the dress open to show like, the clothes that he was wearing before yes as sam wrestles him down to the ground and everything don't yes we cut to the courthouse where they've been interviewing norman and this i guess psychologist for the time comes out and starts talking about how crazy he is and he can confirm marion and the private investigator are dead and then he starts going into detail about norman's thought process and how he actually killed his mother and everything, but couldn't yeah. stand the thought of it. So he created half of his mind for his mother, so she would live on. And this dude is like a magician in here. His hands are going all over the place like he's at the disco, dude. Like, I, I couldn't... Anna was watching this part with me, I'm like, I'm impressed. 90% of this guy's acting is his hands. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and he's doing, like, the dramatic turn to the camera. He's talking directly to the audience, like, breaking the fourth wall, basically. It's like a lawyer making their closing arguments to a jury, like, up there. Like, that's the way he's walking around talking and everything. And do I remember right that Alfred Hitchcock hated this? He was like, this doesn't need to be in there. Like, most people think, look at this scene, it's like, it's kind of not necessary. But I guess you would also have to look at the time it came out. Yeah, it does feel like treating your audience a little dumb, this part. Yeah. Well, for, like, most of the movie, it's treating us very smart. Good job. Gold star. And the one cop's like, he's cold. Can I bring him a blanket? Okay. And he goes and takes him a blanket, and then we see Norman in the cell with the blanket on, and the mother dialogue in his voice about how we're just going to wait this out. I'm sorry that I had to get Norman arrested, but I couldn't let them arrest me. Because he still has that split personality in his head and everything. Yeah. like Basically throwing her son under the bus, even if she is the son, if you guys are following. And then, like, we'll show them, and there's a fly on his head. We're not even a swat at that fly. Wouldn't even hurt a fly. And then the car is exhumed, and the end. Well, it's just, yeah, this is another just great. I wish this, like, Norman as mother scene was much longer, because it's so good. It's like, it's always hard when... A mother must condemn her only son, but he was trying to frame me for these murders. Well, they're probably watching you now. Let them. <laughs> yes, let them. <laughs> like you said, I won't even swat at that fly. <laughs> and this gave us all the answers that that giant 10 minutes of dialogue right before did. Like, you get that after seeing this. You didn't need any of that part before, I guess, you know? Right, yeah. I know, I just Even if it was entertained by his waving hands. Oh yeah, it was a, it was fine. It doesn't take me out of it really, but it was not needed. Um no. and, but I just love the real quick little shot of and not uh, there were prints of this that for some reason they didn't overlay mother's head on Norman's. But it's just like very subtle of like you just start seeing it come through, especially the teeth. And then he's just sitting there doing the smile, 
and then oh yeah remember the car okay it's a suit okay the end bye <laughs> i think that was just to show like they're gonna find a house of horrors once they start digging into everything was well, like we found the car like we yeah we've logic should tell you yes they took the car out but here we're just gonna show you real quick and that's psycho holy shit this is one that you could go on and on for with just certain scenes yeah of like and i know we didn't say anything that hasn't been said about psycho we probably didn't say enough about psycho right i don't think this is one of those movies and there's a couple so i won't say it is the that is credited for starting the slasher now there's still th- some things like when you talk about the slasher formula, they hadn't quite hidden this one yet. But this is one of those like proto slashers, like that gave us that genre that people reference a lot of times. I don't oh, think really sure. till Halloween you get the actual formula down, but this is definitely walk so Halloween could run type deal in the slasher game. Oh, if we if Psycho didn't happen, we are definitely not getting Halloween because Carpenter borrowed so much from this movie loomis the daughter so many other things janet lee shows up in a halloween movie at one point with the car and i think that's all i got right now there's yeah there's just so much like you said this is one of those movies of like everyone's talked about it a shit ton like jaws or like one of those neither living dead but we had to do it we hope we put our throbbing with horror spin on it we made some cum and shit jokes in there yeah, I think we did. Yeah, yeah. it's got shit. Yeah. All right, you ready for some Count of the Dead? Yeah, let's get to the Count of the Dead. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. All right, the Throbbing with Horror Count of the Dead's where we tally up all the deaths in the movie on this final movie of Throbtober. Where do you think we got with Psycho? Uh. This is an easy one. Yeah. I'm just, I know I'm going to get it, be off by like one probably. Uh. Is it like three? Run them down for me. Two? Run them down what? for me. Well, I know there's Marion, and yeah. there's Arbogast. Yeah. Is that it? Uh, are you locking in two? I'm going to say two. You got it. Yay! Only two! Holy shit, that's yes. so weird. Like, I, there is just so uh, so much of this movie's the tension part, and not really the... Ree, 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 which every single... I think of, of Garth from Wayne's World. I think of his yeah. version every time I think of that. <laughs> What's well, Greg Scout of the Dead? Ah, ah, ah. Now we're getting into my ratings from Dimension Z. So basically, we'll take something from the movie and rate the movie 1 through 10, 1 being the worst and 10 being the best. They're coming with that thing right now. All right, so 
everyone I could, I think everyone could agree that the shower scene is the big scene. Yes. Where you got Janet Lee getting all hot and stripping down and going to take a nice shower. Then, oh my God, she gets killed. We're going to replace Janet Lee in the shower scene. Why would we do this? Oh, because that's the ratings, Greg. Okay. Um, so a number one version of a person you're going to want to see in the shower scene, the worst version of a person you're going to want to see in the shower scene, Joe Flyshaker from Troma. I knew that was, I knew he was coming. <laughs> um, yeah, probably him most likely, uh, but his gut is probably going to cover everything. So it's like, you don't actually see anything. Yeah. Um, fuck a number 10, um, Karen Gillian, uh, <laughs> Uh, Barbara Crampton. Well, now I just feel pervy saying, "Who do I want to see in this scene?" <laughs> well, yes, but it's, it's it's the shower scene. Okay. Uh, Psycho's a ten. It has, of course, it is. It has to be. It's one of those movies. I always love it. Um, like I say, even I love the beginning part that you would think that I would think was boring of like, well, get to the Norman Bates good stuff. Get to Mother. That's what I like. No, I like the Marion like trying to get out of town and like dodging the cops kind of stuff. It's like really intriguing. And like, it's, it's really like uh it captures your like imagination and you can almost put yourself in with it. And then she gets to the motel and you're like, Oh fuck, that's right. Yeah. I, I also went 10 people you see in the shower scene out of 10 and I love the beginning. And I don't think we even talked enough on how cool the twist is of our main character being off at the midpoint of the movie. Like, what a ballsy move that paid off. Yeah, really. Like, and, yeah, because that could have gone bad, for sure. Yeah. That could have, like, that took some, that's Alfred Hitchcock having some major fat man balls and being like, I don't care. I'm doing this. <laughs> Which puts Psycho into the Throbbing with Horror Hall of Fame. It's joined some great company, like Halloween, Hereditary, Evil Dead 2, Army of Darkness, the Evil Dead. Um. <laughs> Ghostbusters. Veronica's not in there. There's a ton. There's a ton of people. There's a lot of movies in there, but Psycho is now one of them. It has to be, for sure. Yeah. Um, well, this is the last review of Throbtober for 2023. We hope that you've enjoyed it. We put a lot of work into it. Um, please enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, they better have. Uh yeah, uh, but it is always so much fun to do all these extra episodes. This is our time of year. This is my favorite time of year. I can, like, if I could, like, freebase pumpkin spice, I would. But <laughs> it's just going to irritate my lungs. As there's no reason to do it. Unless you have anything else, man. No, happy Throbtober, people. Happy Throbtober, and we hope that Psycho has left your brain throbbing with horror. Well, wasn't that a wild and wacky episode? If you enjoyed it, please rate us five stars on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on. Um, you can also support the show by going onto our Tee Public site and checking out any kinds of the merch that we have on there. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, that TikTok thing those kids are on, and YouTube. Just search Throbbing with Horror and look for our pumpkin. And remember to throb on.